Hey, it's Justin Valdez here, and you're listening to the Strike Zone Podcast. Alright everyone, thanks for joining me once again. Been on a little hiatus because the coronavirus pandemic has pretty much shut down the sports world. But I'm back and hopefully everyone is staying healthy and safe out there. I want to welcome all my new listeners. and Make sure you go and follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Podcast Strike. So go give that a, you know, a peek. Go check that out. Now that all the formalities are out of the way, let's you know get right to it. Uh, big happenings this week in the sports world. The NFL draft is coming up. Uh, things are going to be shaken up a little bit because of what's going on. Uh, but first, you know, I want to take a trip back in time with uh, with you all. So let's take a listen. What an iconic intro there. That's the 1998 Chicago Bulls intro for all you uh, younger listeners who aren't familiar with that. So earlier this, or excuse me, on Sunday, the documentary The Last Dance aired its first two episodes on ESPN, which, wow, great episodes. If you haven't had a chance yet to go see it, see them uh spoiler alert i will be talking about them now so if you know do listen and then go back and watch those two first two episodes because amazing first two episodes it takes you behind the scenes of the chicago bulls 1997-1998 season which was you know the last time that that team would that uh dynasty would would be together uh, it goes back, the kind of starts off going back to Jordan's earlier, earlier years, you know, his bringing up and him in uh, North Carolina. And uh, the one thing that struck me really early on in that documentary was the fact that you know, when they go back to his childhood, <laughs> Jordan didn't even make the, uh, was it the varsity team in his high school uh, playing years? I think he was a sophomore, and he went out for the varsity team, and he didn't make it. And he went back home, and you know he he broke down and cried to his mom. And it's, but you see it from that point on. That was the moment you could tell that that set off the determination in Michael Jordan. It's just he would never ever want to feel lost like that again. And you know that set in motion you know Michael Jordan's competitiveness that and the fact that he you know he never wanted to lose to his brothers you know his, his he, he had such a competitive nature with his brother and man that's so rare to find these days with everybody wanting to play on the same teams and oh I want to play with my friends Jordan look Jordan was playing with his friend he had Charles Oakley on his team but then the Bulls traded him away they needed they needed a big man and they they traded him I think it was for Bill Cartwright 
and that was Jordan's friend. That was that was Jordan's enforcer. He was his, his bodyguard. And even Jordan came out in the documentary and said, you know, yeah, he was my friend and it sucked to see him go, but we got what we needed for him and it that shows you his competitive nature like, yeah, I mean, he was my friend, but I want to win and if I'm not going to win with him, then I'm going to bring in we're going to get somebody that is going to help us win and we'll be better for it, which is like I said, it's rare to find nowadays. Everybody wants to team up with their friends and play and the competitive nature is just just hard to see out there. But yeah, we're going back to to Jordan's earlier years. So then he he gets to Carolina, the UNC. Dean Smith is his, his coach and Roy Williams is the assistant coach there and you know, he starts playing getting his playing time up and you could see that you know dean smith really sees something in him and he tells him you know his, after his junior years jordan wanted to come back and play another season and dean smith tells him no you know turn pro you know that's the best thing for you which i, I mean to have just to have people looking out for you like that when you're in college looking out for your best interest you know that's hard to find you know a lot of schools a lot of coaches are you know, about me, about my winning, about what's best for the school. And Dean Smith, you know, he told Jordan, he said, hey, you know, turn pro. Strike while the iron's hot. You know, there's nothing more for you to do here at North Carolina. Just go go pro now. And he goes pro, and, you know, he gets drafted by the Bulls. Uh, and, you know, his, has a pretty good rookie season. And then going in uh, to his sophomore season I believe it was it was the 86 season I think uh he breaks his he breaks his foot <laughs> so he goes and this once again you just the competitive nature of Jordan on full display in in this documentary which I love you see Jordan he breaks his foot and he's rehabbing he's away from the team and not too long you know his team doctors are telling him hey you got to stay out stay off your foot don't do anything dumb. Don't play. <laughs> Jordan goes out to you know these local gyms and he starts playing pickup games of basketball. He's like, no, no, no. I'm I'm tired of just not playing. I need to play. He goes and starts playing these pickup games and and he's starting to rush himself back and <laughs> just just hearing that just cracked me up. Uh, that was funny. And then then they put him. He comes back to Chicago. He comes back to, with the Bulls. But then they put him on this minutes restrictions. It was like 14 minutes. He's only allowed to play every game. And it's just driving him nuts because they're in the midst of making another playoff run. And he made the playoff his rookie year, his sophomore season. He's coming back. He wants to make the playoffs again. and But he, he's, minute, he's restricted by how much time he can play on the court. So then it's the final game. I think it's the final game of the season, and they're playing. I can't remember what. Is it Washington? Um, I, I'm not sure, but they're playing a team, and he comes out, and he's just lighting it up, lighting it up. He's bringing his team back, and they're down by one point, one oh seven, one oh eight, and his there's less than thirty seconds left to play. The other team hits the shot. They go up by one, and they call a timeout. And Jordan's minutes are up, so he his minutes restrictions are up, and he's begging and pleading. You know, coach, put me back in. You know, it's just five seconds. You know, come on, let me let me play. And the coach is telling him like, man, I I want to, I I want to put you back in, but I don't want to lose my job. And Jordan had an issue with with the team at this time be, be, uh, because of the minutes restricted, they were going to completely shut him down. But he fought and told him, no, I, you know, I want to play. And, and so he tells, a, he tells a great story in the documentary. He says, because he's coming back from that injury, which is a pretty, pretty serious uh, injury where he broke his foot. The doctors tell him, you know, if we rush you back, there's, you know, a 10% chance that if you re-injure your foot, your career could be over. And he, and Jordan tells him, like, look, you know, 10% chance, okay, but there's a 90% chance that I'm not going to injure myself again. 
So Jordan said, you know, I'm looking at, I was looking at it like a glasses half full type of deal, but everybody else was looking at it as a glasses half empty. And then the, the owner, Bulls owner chimes in and he tells him, okay, Jordan, Michael, you know, let me, let me put it to you like this. If you have this massive headache or if you have this headache and there's 10, I give you a, bo- a bottle of pills with 10 pills inside and one of those pills is going to kill you, but nine of them will cure you. Like, are you going to take the pills? <laughs> uh, Jordan's classic Jordan here. His response was, it depends on how effing bad the the headache is. <laughs> Hearing that sound bite, man, God. I was fortunate enough to be able to remember watching Jordan play, you know, his final probably 10 years of his career. Um, so hearing that was pretty funny. Uh, a lot of a lot of great stories you, we get to hear, too, behind the scenes with this documentary. Anyways, going back to, to the season, so the Bulls, the 86 season, so the Bulls were kind of, they were they want they wanted to sit them and they wanted to kind of, you could tell they kind of wanted to tank the season so they can get a higher draft pick. And Jordan was not have this pissed Jordan off. He was not having it. Jordan didn't like losing, and so from that moment on, when they wanted to to sit Jordan out and tr- and try to basically tank the season, that pretty much soured the relationship between Michael Jordan and uh, Bulls general manager Jerry Krause. And you eventually see how that escalates throughout Jordan's playing career in Chicago. So, anyways, Jordan fights and he, you know, keeps fighting, and he eventually talks them into playing 14 minutes a game and going back to that final game. So, you know, his minutes restrictions are up. He's begging to come back in the game, and you know, his coach says no. So, so the Bulls got to you know do it without him. Uh, if they win this game, they're in the playoffs, and they have a matchup against. The, they would match up against the Celtics. But if they don't, they go home, and uh, again, probably get a draft pick, uh, a lottery pick. So four seconds left on the clock. Bulls take it up, inbounds the pass, you know, swinging around a little bit. Then all they ball gets to Bill Paxton, and Paxton hits this little uh, teardrop shot with less than i don't know three seconds less than a second or basically hits the game winning shot to send the bulls to the playoffs which i i bet you just pissed jerry kraus off so much because there goes their lottery pick you know now they're in the playoffs and so they, they they're in the playoffs and in the opening round they match up uh with the celtics the you know the iconic Boston Celtics, Larry Bird, you know, Bill Walton, and those guys. <laughs> so game one comes out, you know, he's he comes out Jordan, you know, Jordan-esque early on. And if you had any doubts, they, they, lo- they lose that game, close game, they lose it. But if you had any doubts on how back then, on how great Jordan was going to go on to become game two, that was Jordan saying, okay, you know, watch this. He basically takes the bull by the horns, pun intended, uh, and he goes out and he shows you, you know, hey, I'm here. And he scores 63 points. That's his 63-point game. <laughs> and to see the, the the Celtics, there was at one, you know, throughout the game, at least five people guarded him. <laughs> at one point you see Bill Walton that was <laughs> tasked with guarding Jordan and he's just not having it. He was livid that he had to guard Michael and he ends up fouling out. The game goes into double overtime. Jordan puts up 63 and but they they lose. They you know, they go on to lose that game. If you can go back and and watch that game or watch highlights of that game do it he was just Jordan was just unstoppable the Celtics came out and said you know we wanted to clog the lanes we didn't want we didn't want him driving and then Larry Bird said but you know that didn't do any good because his mid-range shots were just killing us it was it was a great one-man show and then uh, so fast forward now and kind of the the documentary kind of jumps back and forth between the 90s and 80s because it goes you know the first episode mainly 
is about Jordan coming up. And so the second episode is more about Scottie Pippen. And Scottie Pippen, his, his bringing, and I believe he came from Arkansas, and he didn't even have a scholarship at first. He started off as like a, a ball boy at, at, I don't know if it was his high school, I think it was. And he eventually talked his coach into playing, and he came out, and he he lit it up. And so, you know, he just kept getting better and better, which, you know, man, you see the drive in Scotty at a young age. It's That was his ticket out, you know. That was his his way of, of making it was basketball, and he was just determined to make it, and, you know, and he did. He made it to the pros. He made it. Chicago ended up drafting him. And he teamed up with Jordan. And so fast forward to the 90s. And I believe it was 91. He signs, 91 or 92, he signs a new deal. I think it was 91. He signs a new deal with the Bulls. It's like a seven-year contract for $14 million. So he was getting $22 million a year. And at the time, he said he signed it because he just wanted to take care of his family. He just wanted to, you know, get paid and be able to take care of his family and provide for them. And he did. He, he signed the contract. He bought his parents, his mama house, and he took care of them. But, but going down, you know, you see in the documentary that, you know, years later, that contract was a joke. You know, Pippen was probably the second best player in the league behind Jordan for a lot of those years. And, he was getting paid like he was the 122nd best player or some contract, some crazy number like that. And it was just so to see that was just, or to hear that because, you know, I was too young back then to really care about the contracts, but now going back at and seeing that is just crazy to think like, man, what were you thinking? I mean, I know what you were thinking when you signed the contract, but man, so it's, his final year is in 98 and he comes back, you know, he, the 97 season ends with the Bulls winning the championship and he has a lingering issue that with his leg that needs surgery. So in he, in his words, he doesn't want to screw up his, his summer. So he opts to have the surgery at the beginning of the 98 season and he does this because he wants a new deal from the Bulls. He's tired of getting paid chump chains, basically. And it didn't really sit well with, with Michael Jordan because Jordan now has to start the season without his number two. And it wasn't a very good start to the season. They got off. Uh, I think they went 0-2 on the road. They were uh, barely – Eighteen and nine start, I believe it was. They didn't get their first win on the road until an overtime win over the Bullets in Washington in late November. So it was some turmoil. And then, okay, to start the season, <laughs> Jerry Krause in this documentary, Jerry Krause, the Bulls' general manager, is they make him look bad, uh, and probably rightfully so. I don't know the guy personally, but. You know, his decisions and his comments weren't the best. Uh, he comes out and says that this, he his relationship with Phil Jackson is not great. It's pretty bad. He comes, Jerry Krause comes out and says that he believes it's not the players or the coaches that make a team great. <laughs> For this, for the the nerve of this guy to come out and say that it's not Jordan and it's not Phil Jackson that make this team great. Uh, he wants you could tell he wants the credit for making this team great. So he what he wants to do is he after the '98 season he wants to blow up the Bulls. He wants to start over and he wants to prove that you know it's not the it's not these guys. It's it's me. I'm the one who made this team great. So I'm gonna blow them up and. You know, I'm getting rid of Phil, and, and we're we're gonna try to trade Scotty, and we'll go from there. We'll I'll show you that it's it's me who made this team great, and oh, 
cheese. So, you know, Phil was on his way out already after the 97 season, but Jordan came back and said to the ownership, like, hey, if, Phil, if Phil's gone, I'm, I'm not playing. I'm done. I'm not playing for anybody else but Phil. So they give Phil a one-year contract, but Jerry Krause tells him, I don't care what you do this season. I don't care if you win 82 games and a championship. You're done here. Your time is over. We're not coming back to Chicago. This is your final year, which, jeez. Can you imagine if if they would have just stayed like, stayed the course and Jerry Krause wouldn't have been that way and they would have kept Phil. He probably would have won at least two more titles. So that's why the documentary is called The Last Dance because Jerry Krause told Phil Jackson, you know, you're gone. That's it. So Phil Jackson, typical Zen master form, goes out and says, you know, to the team, okay, you know, start of the season, you know, this is it. This is our last dance. So that's kind of the motivation to to set up, you know, that season, the 97, 98 season. Hey, you know, guys, you know, this is the last time we're going to all be together. So let's just go out and win. Which, man, so that's the first, basically the rundown of the first two episodes. Um, I was a little all over the place there, but the documentary is pretty pretty much like that too. Jumps back and forth. Uh, great, great inside look at that team and <laughs> and how they just rip on Jerry Krause and Scottie Pippen at one point. Man, his turmoil with Jerry Krause, it gets bad. Even it makes it makes things really awkward at one point Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and the guys say that there was a time where Scotty started berating him and calling him out on the team bus which yeah you have your problems with a guy but geez I mean to do that like that it's that's that's hard that that causes a little tension it causes more tension than there needs to be especially since it was already there so I'm really looking forward to seeing where where the the rest of this documentary goes uh episodes I believe three and four air uh, this Sunday. And the next episode three is about Dennis Rodman. And you get a little inside look already about that where there's a little sneak peek. And they talk about Dennis. When Scotty comes back from his injury, Dennis goes to Phil and tells Phil, like, hey, you know, Scotty's back. I need a vacation. <laughs> so so Phil calls Jordan in. He's like, hey, uh, you know, Dennis needs to tell you something. And Jordan says, oh, great. If Dennis needs to tell me something, then it's it's never a good thing. So apparently he tells him, like, hey, you know, I need a vacation. I want to go to Vegas. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan is pissed. He's like, what? You know, we're in the middle of this season. You know, if anybody needs a vacation, it's me. So, you know, the little trailer or behind-the-scenes look into the next episode ends with, you know, Phil, I guess, tells Dennis, hey, you know, instead of a week-long vacation, what about 48 hours? And Jordan just is like, man, if you let Dennis go on vacation, he's not coming back. So so it'll be awesome to see this, this, next, uh, this next episode, you know, especially – if you remember Dennis Rodman from his playing days, man, he was he was something else. He was off the court, he was such an eccentric person, but on the court, man, it was hard to find somebody who hustled harder than that guy. So much respect for Dennis Rodman and his playing style on the court, man. That guy was hustle personified. Um, anyway, so yeah, go check go check those out, those two episodes if you haven't seen them. Highly recommend them. I'll be Breaking down the, not breaking down, but talking about then the next couple of episodes once they air as well. Uh, but really, really looking forward to, to seeing this. And um, I, I don't want it to end, man. With no sports going on right now, it's this is the greatest thing going, and it, it's awesome. All right, let's, uh, let's switch it up here a little bit. The NFL draft is this Thursday. Speaking of switching things up, Man, this the coronavirus pandemic sure has the NFL changing the way this year's draft will be held. It'll be all virtual. You know, the teams are are all going to be drafting basically from their 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 homes or from the GMs from their homes. They have their own little setup. It's uh, interesting to see. We'll see how that how that plays out. 
but yeah, so Thursday's uh, round one and two. Uh, so I'll think, um, I think uh, I'll do my own little mocked draft here of uh, round one. I don't want to go into too much and do all kinds of craziness and try to project seven rounds. I don't, I don't follow college football that much to know, you know, who's, who's going where or try to break that many late rounders. So let's just uh, look at the, the first round here. Um, so with the first pick in the draft, the, the Bengals actually have the first pick in the draft. And obviously they need somebody to fill the, the void for, for the red rocket for Andy Dalton, who's gone. So I believe the, the Bengals will pick Joe Burrow. Number one, the LSU quarterback. I think he fits in well there for them for what they need. I don't want him. I don't want to see him. I don't know if I want to see him drafted by the Bengals and then thrown right into the fire. Uh, that offensive line is bad. They don't. Ha- I mean, there's they have AJ Green, but is Green going to stay healthy? And then other than Green, they got Eifert who can't stay healthy either. They just oh, man, it just spells disaster for Burrow, who I don't even think wants to play. In Cincinnati himself, but we'll see what happens. Um, you know, a lot of people have Burrow going number one, and that's pretty much an easy no-brainer there. Uh, next up at number two is the Washington Redskins. They're in a pretty interesting spot here. Uh, they could, who knows what they're gonna? They got a new head coach, so we'll see. You know, he's defensive-minded. Uh, they could use a lot, though. They, so we'll see what happens with them. Pretty much the consensus here is they'll take defensive and Chase Young out of Ohio State, and I can agree with that. I think I think they can use a defensive end there. Uh, at number three is the Detroit Lions. They have a lot going on this this year. Uh, this offseason, they parted ways with Darius Slay, which, uh, oh, man, I don't know how they got rid of him. Such a great cornerback. Um, but now that he's gone, what, what do they do? Uh, do they go offense? Do they go defense? Another uh, a defensive-minded head coach. So I think they go defensive side of the ball here, and they go with Jeff Okuda the cornerback from Ohio State and he will fill in the void left behind by you know the the Lions getting rid of Darius Slate which is it never makes sense to me when teams get rid of a player the caliber of Darius Slay to draft someone to replace him when Darius Slay I mean, it's not like the guy's only been in the league a couple of years, and he's a bona fide number one star, and yet you got you get rid of him. I I guess he just didn't fit well into the into the system there in Detroit. So yeah, so yeah, Detroit goes goes number goes a uh, cornerback with their their number three pick there, and then that goes to the Giants at number four. Which the Giants are actually an interesting team this year. They have their they have their who they think can be their franchise quarterback. I believe. I'm uh, not sure on that. I'm not sold on him. Um, they have the one thing they do have is Saquon Barkley, which definitely is their franchise running back, their their workhorse. They need they need they need they need a wide receiver, but they also need help on the the O line. And to protect uh, their quarterback, and you know, to make sure that you know uh, Saquon can get his thousand yards rushing. So, but the, they need more. They need more weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And there's rumblings that they could be trading Evan Ingram, which, uh, man, that's crazy to me. So I, but I think they go offensive tackle Alabama here, uh, six four, three hundred and twelve pounds of 
Jedrick Willis or Wills. Jedrick Wills. Um, so they give they get they get protection for their quarterback there. And uh, I don't know. They still need to fill that void uh, in the uh, on the offensive side of the ball though, because they don't have too many uh, weapons out at wide receiver. Um, and number five is Miami, uh, who is in major need of a of a franchise quarterback. It seems like Miami's ever since Dan Marino left, it's where fran- it's where quarterbacks go to you know die here. Uh, they so they had Tannehill and got rid of him, and he went on and led Tennessee to the AFC title game. Which, geez, so you know, there's a couple fits here. Obviously, Joe. With Burrow off the board, you got Tua, and you have Justin Herbert. So would it's kind of a toss-up here. Do you go Herbert or do you go Tua? I believe, I think they should go Tua. So I think at number five, the Miami Dolphins draft Tua Tagaviola from Alabama. Uh, that leaves number six. With San Diego, or excuse me, San Diego, with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, they're in. All, they're also in need of a franchise quarterback now that Philip Rivers is in Indianapolis. Um, now that Tua's off the board, Burrow's off the board, that leaves Justin Herbert, which I think uh, Los Angeles picks him up. I think they go out and get Justin Herbert, and he becomes their their new franchise quarterback. You know, they lost a lot this year. They lost Philip Rivers, they lost uh Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, they signed Tyrod Taylor for a year, so he'll probably Tyrod Taylor will probably be the starting quarterback for the the Chargers this year and Herbert can sit behind him. Uh at uh, so number 6, the Chargers take Justin Herbert. Then we go to number seven, which is the Carolina Panthers. They uh, there's another team, kind of rebuild mode. They no longer have. Uh, I think Cam Newton's a free agent. Uh, Luke Keekley retired. That he was their heart and soul of that defense. So excuse me. So it'll see. Let's see how who who they take here. I know, uh, this is a tough one. I think. I think this could be one of those positions where it's one of those spots where I kind of believe Carolina might be looking to shop this trade. I mean, this, this, um, this spot, this pick for a trade here, uh, uh, there's a lot of teams that want to move up in the draft. And I think Denver's one of them. They, they could be moving, they moving into Carolina spot here. So I predict Carolina to move out of the seven spot. I don't see them, them drafting here. Uh, Denver could move up, but we'll just say if Carolina does pick here at number seven, we'll go, I'm going to go defensive tackle, uh, out of Alabama, Derek Brown, or excuse me, out of Auburn, Derek Brown, uh, just that pass rush going, uh, you throw him there, that'll, that'll be a help out that defense a little bit. Then we go eight. The Arizona Cardinals are on the clock now. Here, this is this will be interesting. So, had they not made the trade for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I think they definitely go wide receiver. Um, but since they don't really need a wide receiver, I think they go offensive line here and they get someone to help protect uh kyler murray because man that guy he uh he was kind of all over the place running for his life last year so i think they go and they get tristan Wirfs from iowa uh who's the 10th best who ranked 10th best player in the draft so yeah so arizona gets Wirfs to hold down that that offensive line and give Kyler Murray, some protection there. Uh, next up is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine. And Jacksonville tends to go, they tend to be homers in the draft. And uh, they lost a, man, they lost a lot on on defense. 
and they are reportedly shopping Leonard Fournette, which, jeez, these guys, they had it all a couple of years ago, and then now all of a sudden it's like, well, they're rebuilding once again. So now that uh, Okuda's off the board to Detroit, I think Jacksonville goes C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida, like I said. Jacksonville's their, their, their homers, so they'll take a Florida guy and plug him in. They lost a Boye, and they lost Jalen Ramsey in the span of a, of a year, so that's tough. Their secondary is they need it's bleeding out. They need to clog that artery there, so I think C.J. Henderson can come in and contribute early there. Uh, next up, number 10, the Cleveland Browns. So Cleveland, they are still stacked on offense they from you know head to toe they're stacked i can see cleveland uh, also moving uh out of this spot in the draft uh they just they unless they go I, if i was cleveland i'd definitely go offensive lineman here um i'd probably go with either becton makai becton from louisville or Andrew Thomas from Georgia, and if if I was Cleveland, I would go with Thomas from Georgia. You know, six five, three hundred fifteen pounds. Uh, he, he was great in the run blocking for Georgia. So Cleveland goes offensive offensive lineman there, and they go offensive tackle. But uh, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna move out of that spot. And then you have number 11, you have the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets coming in, they lost one of their main weapons uh, in Roby Anderson So for Sam Darnold. So do they give him another weapon or do they go offensive lineman here? And I, go, I say the Jets go wide receiver. And they go Jerry Judy from Alabama. Yes, so the, one of the big this, – this draft is wide receiver heavy. And the Jets will be the first team to take wide receiver off the board. They will get Jerry Judy from Alabama. Uh, next up in the draft is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Ve oh, man, the, the Raiders uh, – <laughs> Who knows what they're gonna do? They need their defense is pretty pretty good, you know. They're they're pretty stacked. I I, I have a lot of respect for what John Gruden's doing so far there. I just think it's time for them to move on from uh, Carr. He's just not their franchise quarterback. But let's they need weapons. They got a great great solid running back. Uh, it's just who's their wide receiver? Who's catching? They have a good. They have Waller. Waller's a great tight end, up and coming tight end. So, I think I think we're gonna see a stretch of wide receivers here. So, uh, Oakland's gonna go wide receiver, and I think Oakland, the wide receiver. I think Oakland grabs. Ooh, I mean, like I said, they're they're stacked. Uh, they I think they need a bigger guy. They want a, a bigger body uh, wide receiver. So. You know, Derek Carr can just throw throw something up to him, and he can go up there and get it. Um, and I think the Raiders, with the 12th pick, get CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is that, that big-bodied wide receiver from Oklahoma that, that he'll just go up and he'll just snatch stuff out of the out of you know from the dbs you know six two that's that's pretty 198 that's that's a pretty good and he can be number one on the opposite side of the ball there you know last last year he uh put up 1200 over 1200 yards and uh 14 touchdowns in just 13 games so you know i think he can him with john gruden <laughs> I think I think that fits real well. So I, I look for the uh, the Raiders to grab CD Ram, a uh, CD Lamb here. Uh, so that brings me to the 13th pick and the San Francisco 49ers. Now San Francisco had an interesting offseason. Uh, they traded away DeForest Buckner to get this 13th pick. 
because this was originally the Colts pick. So uh, they need a lot. Then the Niners need a lot in that secondary. Uh, that secondary is just it hurt them last season in the Super Bowl. They gave up so much. Uh, Akella Weatherspoon is just too off and on. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know, but they have a guy if he's available that can be in this Kyle Shanahan system and they're comparing him to some of these faster receivers in the league if if he's there i don't think the 49ers pass up on him and that's Henry Ruggs from Alabama and it's his speed is just unbelievable he's just one of those burner guys you add that to Debo Samuels I mean the the 49ers have a a lot of wide receivers on the roster they're looking to trade Marquise Goodwin which I'm I think they should think they should you know move on from him they still have uh Taylor coming back from his injury he's going to be a really good slot receiver for him once he gets back on the field Jalen Hurd Jalen Hurd was poised to have an impressive rookie season before he got injured, and I still think he's going to be a great addition on the other side of the ball with uh, breakout star Debo Samuels. I really look forward to seeing what Jalen Hurd's going to bring to the 49ers offense once he gets um, healthy and back out on the field. Then you have, of course, you have the tight end there in George Kittle, probably the hands-down best you know, tight end in the league right now, running, you know, in the run game and blocking and obviously his skills catching the ball are right up there. So I think, you know, you add Henry, you add a a burner like Henry Ruggs, you know, deep threat. I I think that could be, that could be really good for the 49ers. Uh, There's talks that they could trade out of this spot. I think the only way they trade out of this spot is if Ruggs, isn't there for them. I think they're they're I think Kyle Shanahan really wants rugs and and that's if he's not there then I look for them to to trade out of that, maybe get some day two picks. And then we go to fourteen, which is Andrew Tom I mean excuse me, fourteen is with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some people have Andrew Thomas going there. I definitely think he's the offensive tackle from Georgia. I definitely think this is another team that they're stacked on offense. Their defense is pretty solid. They just need to go out and get a uh, some protection for for Tom Brady. And I I believe it is Andrew Thomas. They stick the, they stay the course and they go out and they draft a little help for Brady and they get him that offensive lineman he needs to keep him upright. Uh, so they, they grab Thomas at number 15. We have the Denver Broncos. This is interesting because a lot of talk is Denver does not want to sit at 15. They want to move up. They are, I think they are in desperate need. No, well, not in desperate need, but they desperately want to go out and get a wide receiver. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens if he's not there. Uh, or if if they don't move and they happen to get a wide receiver that falls to them, uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't think I don't think uh, Judy will be there, so I think they do end up moving and and trying to get up because they know that Judy's not going to be there, and I think that's their their number one guy. And then uh, with Rugs gone too, it's just there's no way they. I don't I don't think they sit there, but. Well, we'll see what we'll see what they do. They have their their running back games kind of set. They went and got Melvin Gordon this off season, which I was wondering why they went and did that. They got you know Philip Lindsey Phillips, which is really good. So yeah, we'll see we'll see what he does. Uh, if not, if they stay there, I I think they can go out and get either T Higgins from Clemson. Or Justin Jefferson from LSU. T. Higgins is a monster of, uh, of a, of a kid. I mean, six four, two hundred sixteen pounds. 
he can just go up. I, I I like T. Higgins for for Denver, so it might be a little high, but eh, Denver Denver wants a, a wide receiver, so T. Higgins to Denver at at fifteen. They get their big body wide receiver that because they that's what they want in, in Judy, obviously, but he's he I think he'll be gone by that time. So uh, yeah, Higgins to Denver at fifteen. Uh, that takes us to. The Broncos, I mean, not Broncos, excuse me, the Falcons at number 16. Uh, that's another team. Their offense is kind of kind of set. Um, maybe they can use a little help on the line, the offensive line. Um, their secondary, I can see them get, getting some knee in their secondary there. Uh, but a lot of people have them going defensive line here. So, yeah, Javon... Kinlaw from South Carolina could be, could be who they go after. So we'll we'll see on we'll see on that one. I I could see them also going, uh, uh, lineman or edge rusher. Um, so yeah, I I think I think they go definitely defensive side of the ball, but they 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 stick with Kinlaw. I think will be a good fit for him there. Defensive tackle, little run stopper. That takes us to the Dallas Cowboys at 17. Uh, another team that probably could move up in the draft if they wanted to. Uh, we'll see, though. Dallas lost a lot on – well, they lost their their number one cornerback. So I think they, they need to fill that void there. So I think uh, they go out and they get secondary help for for the team um with that being said they could use a safety as well uh oh but the top cornerbacks are gone uh so that leaves them with the top safety though still available in the draft which i think that they go ahead and they pull the trigger on that and that's xavier mckinney from alabama so they add McKinney, who's six feet tall, two hundred one pounds. So, and they they fill the void there. That's that's pretty. I think what that's what they do there at seventeen. So Cowboys McKinney at safety at seventeen from Alabama. Then we go to eighteen with the Miami Dolphins. Now Miami again. So they had the number five pick. I think they could trade this pick out maybe and. Or they can keep it, obviously. But uh, they, they can offensive line. They need help there. They can go. So I think they go offensive line here, and then they'll probably go and get uh, Peter Schrager from NFL Network has them taking Joshua Jones. I, I kind of like that there. That's a good pick for them. So then the, we get the Raiders again at number nineteen. Once again, they got they got their big wide receiver earlier in the round, so they go out and I think they go defensive side of the ball this time. Uh, do they go? I think they could go linebacker, edge rusher here. Uh, they have a uh, they have a need there, so I think they go. Ooh, this is gonna be a good one. This is this is tough. I think they go. Do I, do I think they go inside linebacker? Or do I think they go edge rusher? I think they go edge rusher uh, at the position. They go uh, Clavon. Uh, if I butcher his name, I'm I'm sorry, but chasing on or chase on the edge rusher out of LSU. Um, so that's that's who the I'm. I have the 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 Raiders taken there, and then at number twenty, the Jaguars. So Schrager has the the Jaguars taking Chase on here, but I had him going to to Oakland, so I think Jacksonville here they go AJ Appenzia, the edge rusher out of Iowa, or they go Kenneth Murray inside linebacker out of Oklahoma. Uh, and I go I go the edge rusher out of Iowa, so Appenzia Appenza. Excuse me. Penza goes to Iowa there, or from Iowa to Jacksonville there, and then we have 
At number 21, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles, it's kind of hard. I think they need to go offensive linemen. Um, But I could see them going defense side of the ball here. Mm, I think at that stage they go Zach Bond, outside linebacker for Wisconsin, to Philadelphia. And then we go to the Minnesota Vikings at 22, which uh, they, you know, they traded away Stefan Diggs. Who knows why they just got rid of their, you know, only, well, not their only good wide receiver, but you know, probably their best wide receiver. So do they feel that they also got rid of Xavier Rhodes. So they could go secondary here. I look for them to probably add somebody in the secondary. Um, uh, so I go Trayvon Diggs from Alabama. Yeah, there we go. Um, or I think they go Trayvon Diggs or AJ Terrell from Clemson. Either way, um, uh, I think they need to. The secondary really hurt them last year, so they need to replace what they lost in Xavier Rhodes. And I, I think they want. If you're looking for a bigger type of, they're both six one, but Diggs has a little bit more size to him. Um, so I think they that's a, they kind of want that. So I think they go Trayvon Diggs there. And then you have the New England Patriots at twenty three, which okay. Where do you go with if you're New England here? You don't you, know, you don't have Tom Brady anymore. Your your offense is you have to go offensive side of the ball, right? Your defense is is pretty legit. It's set, but you just you don't know what your you don't know what the future is for this offense. So I don't think they go cornerback. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, they're not really great at drafting wide receivers. Uh, so Schrager has them taking Harrison Bryant tight end. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? With with New England, it's it's a crapshoot. You never know with Bill Belichick on who he's going to take. So, yeah, I'll just, just go with who's probably the best player on the board at this moment. I mean, wide receiver wise, uh, no, uh, I, I don't like wide receivers. In the normally they're either offensive linemen or or defense in the first round, and I can see I can see them going offensive linemen um, or possibly linebacker. Uh, I don't think they're going to take a tight end this early like uh, Schrager does. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I Like I said, with who knows with Belichick and what's inside of that. I'm not even going to try to get inside of that guy's head. But I'll go offensive lineman and Josh Jones for the tackle from Houston here for for uh, just throwing it out there for, for New England at 23. Then we go uh, New Orleans Saints at 24. Which this is probably likely Drew Brees' final year uh, as a Saint. They added Emmanuel Sanders in free agency, so now they got Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I think they're set here on the offensive side of the ball. So I look to them to go defense, uh, maybe an edge rusher, um, so or a linebacker. Um, so uh, Bond's already off the board. I think he's the. So I think uh, maybe they go Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma to New Orleans. There, like I said, that they're set, they're stacked on offense, man. That that's going to be a scary, scary, scary team. And then we go Minnesota again at twenty-five. Uh, they, I think they go out and they get help on the offensive line for for. Uh, for the the run game and for their quarterback there, so um, looking at who's left, I think they go. They can go out and get 
uh, looking at the top 100 prospects still available. I think they go out and get Caesar Ruiz, the guard from Michigan, um, to you know bolster up that offensive line a little bit. And then we go to 26 with Miami. Um, now this is interesting here again. So another first round pick from Miami. And I think Miami goes running back here uh, from Wisconsin. I think they go Jonathan Taylor, out of, the running back out of Wisconsin to Miami. They could go Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I just think I think they go Jonathan Taylor here. I, I like what Taylor brings a little bit more than, than, than Dobbins. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks at 27. Um, Seattle. They seem to be pretty uh, set on offense. They got D.K. Metcalf last year. He had a really good, really, really good uh, breakout rookie season last year. So I think they go, they go edge rusher here or defensive tackle. Something to bolster up that that line, um, that defensive line. Excuse me. And we let I think they go uh, Uter Gross Matos, the edge rusher from Penn State, six five, two hundred sixty six pounds. I think he bolsters that that line a little bit. It's, uh, it'll be interesting. Well, if they keep the Jadavion Clowney, I don't think they re-signed him yet. Then they go uh, edge rusher. If not, or if Clowney comes back, then I think they go Ross Blacklock, uh, the defensive tackle from, uh, TCU. Then who's next up? There's the Baltimore Ravens at number 28. Um, another team, I think they need to get help on the offensive side for for Lamar Jackson. They need they they need some uh, some they kind of have some speed out there with with Hollywood Brown. So I think they go Brandon I I uh wide receiver from Arizona State, six feet tall, two hundred five pounds. I think. Um, he can be a good slot receiver for them. I think that's what they need. Uh, all right, so then that brings me to 29. Isaiah Wilson uh, is projected here from Traeger to go to the Titans offensive tackle. Uh, Tennessee's a, a team, too. I think they're they're pretty set. Uh, also, this, this move here I think makes a lot of sense for them. Um, they have their running game. They have their wide receiver really good young wide receivers uh looks like Tannehill is going to be there for another year so Wilson to the to the Titans makes sense now we go to Green Bay at number 30 uh so the Green Bay lost a little bit on defense here they lost Blake Martinez in the offseason uh they could also add you know wide receiver a wide receiver here, but I think with so many wide receivers options later on in the draft available, I think they go linebacker or edge rusher here. Uh, let's see who's left on the board. So linebacker or edge rusher. Let's see. There's Terrell Lewis from Alabama. That's who uh, I think Green Bay goes out and grabs. So that's uh, he's edge rusher, six five two sixty two. So that's some good size there. I like I like that. And then that takes us to the 49ers back on the board. I think the 49ers uh, trade out of this spot for for more picks. Um, but if not, they need safety help. So if if they stick to this spot, I think they go and get Grant. Delpit, the safety from LSU, 6'2", 213 pounds. Um, he's a big guy, uh, good in the run game. Uh, he, a lot of people liken him to Derwin James from the Chargers, that hybrid you know, linebacker um, safety position. So I think Delpit for, for the 49ers here is a really good need there. Uh, f- to fill a void, I think they need. They can also go cornerback, I think. If they if they decide to go safety, then Delpit. Uh, I'd like to see them go cornerback. 
Um, but I, I just don't know if they have. I mean, there's Jalen Johnson from Utah still available. But meh. There's Christian Fulton from LSU. He's probably you know pretty pretty good size guy to get there. Uh, there's Gladly Gladney from TCU. He's a little too small, undersized for me. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Niners go safety there. Then that, so to end the round and round one, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so Chiefs, I think they're 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 set right. They're they're set on offense at least. Um, they can probably bolster up that offensive line a little bit, or they can add to the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they go out and they probably add uh, to the defensive side of the ball, possibly either a defensive lineman or they add a safety or cornerback. I can see them adding a defensive lineman, and I go... Uh, I think they take Marlon Davidson defensive tackle from Auburn here if they stay at that spot. Well, that's uh that's my first first mock draft of the first round there. So, you know, let me know what you think. Give me a shout out if you know who do you want your team to take? Uh if if you think, you know, my picks are <laughs> are moronic or you you think they don't make sense, you know, let me know. Just give me like I said, give me a shout out on Twitter at podcast strike. Let me know if you think that, you know, who who do you want your team taken in the draft um and let me know how you guys watching the draft this year by the way you guys gonna you know watch it at home what are you gonna do Uh, obviously you can't really go out and watch it and there's no really mass gatherings so how do you plan on on watching the draft you know give me a shout out let me know another thing i wanted to talk about real quick is the nfl nfl teams are unveiling new versions of their their uniforms and so far, we've had about four teams unveil their uniform, their new new uniforms. We've had the Colts, uh, we've had the Browns, the Patriots, and just today the Chargers unveiled their new uniforms. Which I am not a fan of the powder blue uniforms. I just I don't like them. Um, that being said, they do have. These dark navy, uh, all, all navy uniforms that I I'm kind of digging. I don't I don't mind those ones. They they seem to be okay. Uh, but the powder blues, uh, just not a fan of at all. Just nope, don't like them. I think the best ones so far have been the New England Patriots. I like the little three stripes on the shoulders. Uh. New England, I mean, uh, Cleveland didn't really do much uh, changing of their their jerseys, their uniforms. Uh, the Colts kind of just changed up the way their uh, their lettering is on the 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 actual Colts lettering is. So not much change there either. Same with the Browns; they kind of just yeah, not, not they didn't really change stuff up there. So yeah. It'll be interesting to see if oh the Falcons also another team that that changed their uniforms. Um, I've always liked the Falcons color scheme. Uh, I, their red helmets when they had the red helmets back in the day, I really I really enjoyed those uniforms the way they looked. Uh, so we'll it'll, we'll see who else comes out and unveils their their new their new unis their Nike uniforms. Um, so we'll we'll see see how those look. So far, they haven't been too bad, too crazy. At least they're not. At least the Chargers don't have those mustard yellows, or those were the Rams. The Rams had those mustard yellows that were disgusting a couple years ago. Um, so let, let's go back and talk about a little bit uh, basketball before I go here. The um, the war between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant seems to be far from over. Draymond Green recently came out and talked about what it was like that final season with uh, Kevin Durant there in Golden State. And he's Draymond came out and said that he wished Kevin would have said what he was planning to do a lot sooner than he did because it just brought on a lot of negative attention to him 
uh, and the rest of the guys, uh, he said that he felt like Ke- he felt like Kevin should have just told him, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna stay," or "Hey, I'm gonna go," because you had guys like Clay Thompson and Draymond saying, "Hey, you know, we're Warriors. We we want to stay here. For, we want to finish out our careers here. This is where we want to be." So, you know, what are you going to do? And Draymond's problem is because Kevin didn't say anything, media would always go to Clay. He's, Draymond said the media would always go to Clay and Draymond and ask them, hey, you know, what's the plan? What are they doing? But they couldn't really answer for Kevin. So he he's kind of bringing up that, that again. I, I just think <laughs> it's funny. I think if... Kevin would have stayed Draymond Green would have been gone and I think Draymond knew this I think everybody knew this that Draymond was the odd one out there if Kevin Durant stayed so that bothered Draymond a lot um, and he just he, he I think Draymond went out of his way to make Kevin feel a little uncomfortable that last season and kind of shoved him out of the door just so Draymond because I mean you knew you saw the writing on the wall. I mean, who would you rather have, Draymond Green or Kevin Durant? It's plain and simple. You're gonna every time, you know, ten out of ten times, you're gonna take a guy like Kevin Durant over Draymond Green. So I think you know Draymond knew this. He started that little beef, and he kind of made Golden State choose. You know, hey, it's either him or me. Um, and then by doing that, I. Th- think he knew Kevin Durant was going to feel some type of way about that and he didn't want Kevin Durant doesn't like tension he doesn't like conflict so Draymond knew by starting this conflict it's going to get Kevin Durant thinking well maybe I should I don't belong here and maybe I should leave and it worked to Draymond you know to Draymond's credit it worked Kevin Durant's in in you know in a Nets uniform now which I can't believe that I think he should have stayed in Golden State but whatever anyways so yeah so the war of 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 words are back and forth between Kevin and Draymond and far from over I I look forward to the days of you know when we get to see those two on the court against each other can the the back and forth between those guys is gonna be some great trash talking Uh, I look forward to that and I look forward you know to just sports in general coming back. I miss it so much. Baseball season. Baseball is my favorite sport. And I just, uh, man, not seeing it right now on TV, you know, but hang in there, everyone, you know, sports will be back. Uh, and, and, you know, our country will bounce back from this. You know, we're resilient. We always do. So thanks for, for tuning in on this episode. Stay safe out there, everybody. Take care.